This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You are listening to Over and Back's Basketball Mysteries of the 1970s. Today's mystery is, what are the most incredible moments of the 1970s? All right, we are back. I am Jason with Musical is Rich, and we are talking about the most incredible moments of the 1970s, moments that are exciting, moments that are clutch, moments that just make you go wow. So... It's certainly going to be incomplete. You know, it's really impossible to go through a decade and to find everything that is incredible. So um, if you feel like you uh, we missed something, we forgot your favorite moment, uh, let us know. Uh, we can maybe talk about it on a future episode. So, Rich, how's it going? Good, good. And, and also a little note there, too. What's considered incredible to us might not be the same to you. What you think is, oh, my God, sure. how did you guys miss this awesome moment of my you know favorite team doing this? You know, again, yeah, we definitely encourage you at uh, at over and back uh, over and back NBA uh, on Twitter to definitely reach out to us and um, yeah. Just, just, yeah, let us know any of your moments or even in the show notes or, or whatever. You, you know, people can contact us many different ways. Let us know what is your favorite moment? What's one? And yeah, we do have an episode that we're kind of reserving towards the end of the show or the end of the series, rather, that is going to be things we missed. And we will absolutely cover that if, if there's a moment that you say, oh my God, you, how do you not cover this? You got to cover this. We'll absolutely do it. Cause yeah, it's, this is, it's subjective. This, what we consider incredible and what you and I consider incredible versus what other people might. And yeah, it's hard to make, maybe we miss some stuff too. I mean, we are human, David. We are. We are. We're not robots. <laughs> We're not basketball mystery solving robots, Rich. No, no. I mean, geez. Yeah. Uh, so uh, one of the most incredible moments, two of them happen in the uh, same finals. Actually, the uh, 1970 finals, certainly, you know, greatly mythologized. And we've gotten into it in previous episodes. But, you know, these, these are key moments. They certainly are worth mentioning. Absolutely. Yeah. The first one, uh, Jerry West's 60 foot shot. So this is uh, after splitting the first two games of the series, it's of course between the Lakers and the Knicks. Uh, this, the team's moved to Los Angeles for game three and the Lakers promptly grabbed a 56 to 42 halftime lead. Uh, the Knicks led, uh, of course, by Dave DeBusher and Dick Barnett, uh, chipped away at the margin in the third quarter and finally drew even at 96, 96 with two minutes to play. The lead then seesawed, uh, after that, uh, Wilt Chamberlain made one of two free throw attempts to tie the score again at 100 with 13 seconds left. DeBusher scored in a short jumper with three seconds left. Uh, to put New York up by two. Uh, the Lakers were out of timeout, so West took the inbound pass from Chamberlain in the backcourt, dribbled as far as he dared, and then launched up a 60-footer. It found its target as DeBusher under the basket threw his arms up in disgust, which is a great visual as well. Uh, West bomb tied the score at 102-102 to and sent the game into overtime. Uh, the Knicks managed to regroup and ended up winning the game 111-108. to But an interesting little note, though, is, of course, you're thinking, wait a minute, he shot it from 60 feet, and they were down <laughs> by two. What the what? Well, they didn't have a three-point shot yet, of course. So uh, had West shot taken 
taken place today, it would have been worth three points and Lakers would have won the game in regulation and it might have changed the course of that series as well. And, and been like an all time legendary, incredible. I mean, imagine that like, you know, hitting a 60 foot shot to win a game in the NBA finals. I mean, it's just incredible. So, yeah, it, it of course, you know, with the limitations of the game, I mean, still 102, 102. And we had that, which is a great moment um, as well. And then we'll jump ahead to game seven of this very series, which is, of course, the maybe one of the more I would say almost. I don't, it's hard to rank it, but it's got to be in that top 10 or even the top five of like iconic moments in NBA history. It's always played. You know it. Everybody knows it if you're, you're a fan, even at least to a small extent of the NBA. And it's Willis Reed marching down the tunnel uh, in Game 7. So here's a little bit of background. Uh, for that prior to Game 7, this is May 8th, 1970 at 7.30 p.m. Reed, the captain and the main force of the multi-talented New York Knicks, of course, was uh, sidelined with an injury that threatened his team chances to win the NBA championship. It was Game 7. You know, they really need this guy. Uh, the first four games of the finals, uh, Reed had scored 37 29 38 and 23 uh, while averaging 15 rebounds so he's a big deal to this team uh, as well so at 7 34 uh, p.m reed limped onto the court even though people had basically assumed he wasn't going to play the game the crowd went wild and his teammates confidence returned with vengeance reed somehow managed to out jump will chamberlain on the opening tip and then scored the game's first basket on a shot uh, from the top of the key he then scored the second new york basket from 20 feet out uh he did not score again you know <laughs> that's i guess you know, it's kind of turning back a little bit where the narrative a lot of people now have to point out or and rightfully so that, you know, I didn't really do a whole lot in that game. It was really Walt Frazier that that carried a big load. But I mean, still that 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 confidence of him coming down there and then those first two points and beating the tip. And it just really and Knicks players will say that, too. Yeah, he didn't contribute a lot, you know, in terms of the stat line and all that sort of stuff. But he didn't have to. The team was already just super motivated by what he did. But yeah, just one of the most iconic, famous moments in NBA history. And of course, the Knicks went on to to win the NBA finals. So, yeah. And another one involving the Knicks in their uh, long rivalry with the uh, Bullets in uh, nine. Uh, in uh went, went through the playoffs for uh six seasons in a row i believe they, they played in the playoffs this one's in the eastern conference finals in 71 uh fred carter for uh, baltimore in game seven hit a decisive jump shot with just over a minute left that gave uh, baltimore the uh, game and the series so the the one time baltimore was able to uh, win that uh it was able to win that series and was able to make it to the uh, finals and having a dramatic um upset run of course it did not work out for them very well against the bucks in the finals but certainly uh did well uh, during that series and this isn't a singular moment one that i think we definitely had to talk about and it was the lakers historic run so um you know elgin baylor the lakers legend he announced his retirement nine games into the season uh, this is 1971 by the way or um uh that night's so, so he announces his retirement. That's a you know big part of the you know Lakers team that that's out and gone, and, and people kind of wonder, hey, what's going to happen to these Lakers now? Well, they uh, they began a winning streak that would last uh, for two months, totaling 33 games. So they did pretty okay without Elgin. Uh, November 5th, 1971, the Lakers beat the Baltimore Bullets 110 to 106. This began uh, the, their win streak again. As I mentioned, they did not lose a game for more than two months. On December 12th, they beat Atlanta 104-95 uh, for their 21st in a row, which uh, break, uh, broke the NBA record, which was set by the Milwaukee Bucks just a year later and then uh, of course that run would go into 33 games and still be an iconic um, you know all-time win streak that that I just I, I really just don't think do you think that one's ever going to get broken uh no I yeah I can't imagine I, I just I can't fathom a team being like let's do it like you know what I mean like somewhere in that line like they're gonna be like all right I'm taking a day off or like you know like they're gonna just chill like I, I just yeah coaches aren't that way anymore I just don't think that they would be that methodical and that 33 is a lot we saw that the grind with what, what was that Miami one they went to what 20 did they get to 30 um they, no they, I don't remember they got they, to 27 
20 said that was it yeah and like that was like oh my god and like you could tell that it was like wearing on those guys and it was a grind like yeah 33 that's just i i, I just can't fathom that happening no yeah that that one that's pretty much impossible to imagine so yeah for for sure so the next one is uh, Roger Brown uh, versus Rick Barry in the 1972 season. It's a regular season game. This is from uh, RememberTheABA.com, but uh, some vivid memories there where um, the Pacers are down by three with two seconds left. Freddie Lewis banks in a three-pointer to send the game into overtime. In overtime, the Pacers are down with 10 seconds to go. The Nets have the ball out of bounds, and Roger Brown jumps in front of Barry, draws a charge, then the Pacers clear out the floor for Brown with Barry playing defense uh, with two just two seconds left. Um, Brown drives to the basket and puts up a soft finger roll for the uh, for the win. Um, Barry had 48 points in that game, but uh, Roger Brown coming through in the clutch to uh, a- answer the bell once again. Just to, of course, say we, we talked about in, the, in some previous episodes on the Pacers, just what a tremendous performer he was. Um and how he matched up with, you know, Barry, the class of the ABA during that time. You know, Brown was it was it wasn't as good for nearly as long, but at his peak was absolutely as good as Barry. Um, A couple other interesting ones, the um, the Pacers versus the Denver Rockets, later the Nuggets in the 72 Western Division semifinals in game two at Indianapolis. uh, Ralph Simpson hit a floating jump with four seconds left to give the Rockets a a 106, 105 victory. The uh, Rockets actually surprisingly took the Pacers to seven games in that series of the Pacers ended up winning and going on to win the NBA ABA finals. Uh, also in 72 in the Eastern Division finals, the Squires versus the Nets, a Julius Irving and Rick Berry duel in Dr. J's uh, rookie year. Uh, it was actually in Virginia and Irving had a, a big game with 35 points, but the Nets ended up winning. Um, and Barry banked in a three-pointer at the end of the game for to seal the win, 94 to 88. So a great one there. Uh, 1973, the Lakers against the Bulls. Um, the Lakers are down by one with 33 seconds left. Uh, Chamberlain blocks Norm Van Leer's shot. Then he throws a long pass to Gail Goodrich for the eventual game-winning basket. The Bulls have one last chance to get on top, but they let the 24-second shot clock expire. Uh, and then with two seconds left, uh, Van Leer ends up fouling uh, West, and the Bulls lose 95-92. Another one involving the Bulls that went better for them against the Pistons in 74. It's uh, Game 7. Uh, Chet Walker hit a head fake 10 footer with three seconds to go. And then Dennis Autry tipped Dave Bing's inbounds pass to seal the win. Move on now. Kareem Skyhook in game six in 1974 is another iconic moment uh, in NBA history. Uh, Milwaukee led by 12 points in the first half uh, and by six in the stretch, but a long jumper by John Havlicek tied the score 86 86. Uh, the Bucks Oscar Robinson was caught in a 24 second violation as the time expired in regulation. So, uh, with the Bucks leading late in the first overtime, Havlicek repeated his heroics, converting his own missed shot to tie the score at 90 90 to force a second extra session of this game. Um, in the second overtime, Havlicek scored nine of Boston's 11 points. It's a theme. John Havlicek good in this game, uh, including a rainbow jumper over Kareem Abdul-Jabbar with seven seconds left for a 101-100 Boston lead. Uh, with the champagne about to be uncorked, Milwaukee called the timeout and set up one last play, not for Jabbar, but for swingman John McLaughlin. However, the play was broken when McLaughlin couldn't shake himself free, so Jabbar stood to the right of the lane with the ball. Abdul-Jabbar looked for someone else to pass to, but could find no one, so he dribbled to the baseline, turned, and put up his graceful skyhook. 
It nestled through the net for a 102-101 Bucks win that tied the series at three games apiece. Uh, the Celtics then, of course, bounced back uh, like champions for Game 7 in Milwaukee. They changed the strategy and began to double-team Kareem, which freed up uh, Dave Cowens to concentrate more on offense. Uh, Cowens responded nicely with 28 points and 14 rebounds as this, uh, the Celtics coasted to a 102-87 win and Boston's 12th NBA title. Yeah, And we talked about that quite a bit with uh, Bob Ryan on the previous show looking at the Celtics. Yes. So that's a uh, that, that's obviously yeah the Celtics had two pretty classic um, finals in uh, in three years with the of course the you know the finals against the Bucks and then the even more famous triple overtime game against the Suns which we're going to get into a little bit in just a minute. Uh, so the next is, and we talked about this in our playoff upsets episode, but the probably the the greatest upset in playoff history, the uh, Spirits of St. Louis, 32 wins, upsetting the Nets, uh, 58 wins in the first round of the 75 Eastern Division semifinals. Uh, the Spirits are up at this point, three games to one. They're in game five in New York, and it looked like the Nets were about to win, but... Um, but uh, Don Adams forces a turnover. Uh, uh, Julius Irving, he dribbles the ball off his leg into the backcourt. And then um, Freddie Lewis gets the ball, dribbles to the top of the key with three seconds left. He hits a uh, hits a jumper to win the game and the series for the uh, for the Spirits. Uh, the Spirits would eventually lose in the next round to Kentucky, although you know, they put up a decent fight as well. But you know, the, uh, the, the Spirits, of course, known mostly for antics, but for one series, they put together an amazing run and beat the uh, absolutely the class of the league that year. Uh, Miracle at Richfield, a very famous one from the Cavs Bullets. Uh, this is 1976 Eastern Finals. Uh, five foot runner with four seconds remaining. It broke an 85 all tie in game seven. It was Dick Snyder hitting the, uh, the shot. 75 uh, 76 season with Austin Carr, Bingo Smith, Jim Jones, uh, Dick Snyder, and the newly acquired Nate Thurman. Uh, Bill Fitch led uh, Cavaliers were, were just a, a pretty solid team, 49 33 record, uh, which is the best record in the Central Division. Uh, Bill Fitch had received the Coach of the Year award, and the Cavs made their first ever playoff appearance. Uh, the Cavs won the series against the Boston Bullets 4-3, and because many of the heroics and last-second shots, the series became locally known as the Miracle of Richfield. However, hampered by injuries, particularly to, uh, to Jones, uh, the Cavs, they proceeded to lose to the Boston Celtics in the Eastern Conference Finals of the NBA playoffs, but the Cavaliers still kind of hold on to the, the Miracle of Richfield as being just a big deal for for that franchise and, and that town especially. And only recently have they been able to uh, succeed that with uh, with new uh, greatness. But uh, for a while, that was that was it for the, uh, the old Cavs. But uh, definitely just a, a a, a great you know singular moment with dick snyder and then just a great season all around for for that team absolutely and um game four of the 1976 aba semifinals the nets versus spurs this is a very spirited um series we got into it a bit in the uh, dr j episode on his nets years but uh, he scored a game high 35 points uh grabbed 14 rebounds and had four assists uh he had 11 fourth quarter points including a game-winning dunk to uh to, to win 110 to 108 it took seven games but the nets were able to uh, uh beat the spurs during that series the the nets and the spurs had a lot of bad blood there was there were some fights during that series um both the teams had had a couple of trades with each other so there were a lot of players who were used to uh had played with each other so there's a lot of uh perhaps some personality conflicts that uh from being with ex-teammates or just you know the competitive nature of someone you're very close to but that series certainly got uh um a little nasty and irving was able to uh, have some uh, key clutch moments and, and speaking of irving in the clutch in 76 he also had another great moment in uh, uh well a couple game great moments in the aba finals that year yeah, and in the background, if you hear like an odd noise, it's my dog dreaming. He's having a—I don't know what he's doing in his dream, but he's having a lot of fun. Nice. So if you hear some odd like squealing, I don't—I don't know what he's. 
He's doing, but he's, he's really enjoying it, so go for him. Uh, <laughs> 1976, uh, this is the ABA Finals for Dr. J. Um, he hits a game winner uh, in game one of the uh, ABA Finals. Uh, he quoted, uh, it wasn't really the shot I wanted. Uh, this was a, uh, he hit the shot over Bobby Jones, who was one of the better defenders in either league, in the ABA or the NBA, uh, demoralized the Nuggets, and it gave the Nets a leg up in the series. Uh, game six, the Nets trailed, uh, the Nets trailed 80 to 58 <laughs> with just 18 minutes remaining. They rallied to win that game. They outscored the Nuggets 34-14 in the fourth quarter. Uh, Irving had 31 points. That was tied his series low, which that's pretty not bad if 31 is your series low. Uh, but his floor game in that particular game uh, was just unbelievable. He had 19 rebounds, five assists, five steals, four block shots. Just a great, uh, you know, prime ABA Julius Irving, you know, stat line there. Um, you know, a little bit more about that sort of final stretch in game six, which, of course, won, won them the finals. Uh, Irving received the ball at the top of the key, and he operated in a kind of a one four set. Uh, he attacked the basket, accepted a double team, and kicked the ball to open teammates uh, who either made shots or drew falls against their defenders who were closing out on them, in part because the defensive attention that Irving drew. So everybody was trying to get Irving, but he was smart enough to give up his shots and, and get past his other people. Uh, and guys really benefited. And they, you know, as the team, they, of course, benefited. Uh, one in particular was uh, shooting guard Super John Williamson. He scored 16 points in that fourth quarter uh, to help the Nets win. So, yeah, even though Dr. J didn't have to dominate on his own, uh, it was his passing acumen and just his ba- basketball smarts that end up winning that the, the nets that game and, and uh, the ABA finals that year yeah so. and that's the good account of that from remember the ABA.com um that uh, that gets into that uh, finals uh, series and mm-hmm. Irving's performance in particular very well yeah it's just a wonderful website as well if we've mentioned it many times throughout this but if you're not checking out that site it's just just an absolute remember the ABA.com just a wealth of knowledge that it's just incredible of what they have in terms of pictures and visuals or whatever just an absolute asset to us this entire summer yes uh, for this series Absolutely. so they, they are good people so go them yeah all right, we'll go uh, Garfield Hurd and the shot. Another moment says the Sun Celtics three overtime game that we mentioned. Uh, there was an unacknowledged timeout at the end of the first overtime that had been granted to Boston's Paul Silas uh, that would have resulted in a technical foul and given the Suns a chance to win. Uh, referee Richie Powers, who's a great name, by the way, he chose to ignore the signal and the team's played on. Uh, the second overtime, Phoenix grabbed a one point lead with four seconds left. But uh, that guy again, John Havlicek, raced the length of the floor and scored on a 15 foot bank shot that brought hundreds of Celtics fans pouring onto the uh, the court. Uh, after order was restored, the officials put the one second back on the clock and prepared to give Phoenix the ball. That's when the Suns' Paul Westfall asked for and received a timeout he knew his team did not have. The strategy resulted in a technical foul, which stretched Boston's lead to two, uh, but enabled the Suns to make the inbound pass from midcourt, um, which is a smart, really super smart strategy when you really think about it. Uh, Gar Heard caught the ensuing pass, turned and sank a jumper at the buzzer to send the game into its third overtime, which uh, stunned the Boston crowd, which, you know, of course, was was waiting to jump on that court and just celebrate the win. Uh, you can see it. There's video of this as well, and you can just see the entire baseline is just filled with fans and, and just their emotion when they aren't able to jump onto the court and when the game is going to a third overtime. It's just just incredible. Um, of course, you know, you get into three overtimes is going to be a little tricky here, and key players on both teams had fouled out. Uh, so seldom used reserve Glenn McDonald rose to the occasion for the Celtics. He scored six points in the third overtime to lead Boston to an exhausting 128-126 win. Uh, two days later, the Celtics beat the Suns 87-80 in Phoenix to wrap up their 13 NBA championship. So... Um, so during the Blazer Mania days, uh, one key moment that really isn't talked about that much, uh, game one of the 1977 Western Conference Finals, the Blazers against the uh, the Nuggets, a, a Nuggets who'd come from the ABA and were a stout team and had a whole bunch of ex-ABA uh, players, David Thompson, Dan Issel, Matt Calvin, uh, the whole roster filled with uh, Willie Wise, uh, Byron Beck, and um, 
it, it went six games. It was a pretty close series. And uh, game one, um, Maurice Lucas, also a former ABA player, of course, uh, hit the game winner with 11 seconds left in the game. He actually broke um, the play Jack Ramsey had called and uh, backed, uh, backed his man down and just hit a... Um, and hit a jumper and then Ramsey later, you know, got on him about, uh, you know, about breaking the play. And Lucas was just like, you know, hey, Jack, I made the shot, you know, so <laughs> let's get over. It. And then and Ramsey accepted that. But that, that's uh, funny, just given the personality of, of Jack Ramsey, kind, kind of funny. But um, and another famous one, the uh, Bullets uh, Sonics uh, finals, the game seven from 1978. Uh, and uh, the. Um, Bolts had a big lead, but uh, the Sonics were able to get it from 11 just to down to four with 90 seconds left. Uh, Mitch Kupchak for the Bolts came up with a three-point play, and then Freddie Brown for the uh, Sonics hit a short jumper, and Paul Silas got tipping, and it was 101 to 99. Uh, Silas then fouled Wes Unseld, who was not a good free throw shooter, um, and there was very it looked like there was a chance, and that the uh, Bolts were able to. We're going to, or excuse me, the Sonics are going to be able to pull it out. But uh, Unsell hit both his free throws, and then moments later, Washington sealed it and was able to win 105 to 99. So, uh, cutting it close there, but they were able to uh, uh, Unsell hitting those uh, clutch free throws was able to make it. Not the most exciting thing, but you know, Unsell was not really the most exciting player. But no, this, not this at all. was an outlet <laughs> pass. He wasn't doing all that much exciting, but you know, c- coming through in the clutch. Uh, this one is the 1979 Eastern Finals, the Bolts versus the Spurs, and Bob Dandridge uh, hits a 15-foot jumper, eight seconds remaining, and he broke a 105 all-tie. Uh, and this was one of five Game 7 uh, game winners in NBA history with 10 seconds or less. So just a, a, a huge moment for uh, that franchise as well with a, you know, a, 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 just a great, great all-time great moment yeah, and, the, and great uh, shot by Bob Dandridge. Yeah, and the Bolts, uh, they uh, overcame a 3-1 deficit to win this series. Yes, oh yeah, 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 so. of course. Oh, and then last but not least, this one, uh, not not heroics, but I guess heroic in a, in a different way. It's Daryl Dawkins. He broke two backboards uh, in, in his career. Uh, one was at Kansas City's Municipal Auditorium on November 13th, 1979, uh, and a second backboard 23 days later at the Philadelphia Spectrum. Uh, and because his dunks resulted in delays while teams went to find another backboard, the NBA eventually decided that they should probably just change the rims and make them collapsible. So we can, we can thank Daryl Dawkins for that, but I thought that had to be at least mentioned at some point on the greatest moments because just an incredible iconic especially that guy with that much power just destroying these these nets too and like we saw with you know Shaq who who eventually had his own um you know displays of breaking like his breaks were just like you know the the station was kind of like bent or whatever and there was one time where you know the backboard fell or whatever but these are like you know he dunked it just glass just went all over the place and those are just awesome to watch yeah. so i had to, i had to mention those. they're they're crazy absolutely yeah there's they're incredible certainly fits uh no, no, not, not, <laughs> exactly yes so uh so thanks for everyone for checking us out. You can find us at hardwoodproxism.com. We are on iTunes and uh, Stitcher. If you search for Over and Back, you'll uh, find us and uh, leave us a rating and review if you can. Um, and also um, uh, you can find us on Facebook and Twitter at Over and Back NBA. So thanks everyone for listening and we're back again soon. This is the story of the one. 
As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.